Welcome home, everyone. This is the Residency Podcast. I am Drew Belcher with Low Raven. Yes, Jeff Tomastic is our other co-host, and he's actually on vacation. What a life. Family vacation because he's absolutely rich. Where? I think, it's, I think, he's, right I think it's in town, but they're doing like a little staycation. Oh, they want to be bothered. I respected okay. it. So right. Jeff Tomasic, he's on vacation. Residency, we're here to bring you the biggest guests and stories in entertainment, business, pop culture, and sports from our brand new studio on the Las Vegas Strip inside the Mandalay Bay Sportsbook. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Mandalay Bay. The NFL season has been crazy so far. Go Raiders. Lowe's going to hate that because he's a 40 Raider um. fan. Do not forget that the Bud Light Beer Garden between Mandalay Bay and the Luxor is the only place to enjoy the pregame and postgame for all the Raiders games. Tons of food, music, big guest experiences, and we will be there all the time to hang out with you guys. Except Lowe, because he's never been there. I've never <laughs> been there. I can't think of a band more legendary than the Rolling Stones, and their No Filter Tour is coming to Vegas on November 6th. Make sure you check out that once-in-a-lifetime experience. Also, if you've never been to Park Theater at MGM, at Park MGM, now is the time to make it happen, especially with the Foo Fighters performing on December 2nd. Are you like, do you like the Foo Fighters? Uh, food? Foo Fighters. Oh, Foo Fighters? I've heard of come them. Come on, Lowe. Uh, anyway, come see us at our studio at the Mandalay Bay Sportsbook anytime. Back to the good stuff. We have a very special guest today. Yes. Arguably one of the leaders and pioneers and faces that has been paving the way for female fighters and mixed martial artists, one of the most famous fighters in the game, former Strike Force and UFC Bantamweight champion, mommy badass, and yet another guest that can kick both of our asses. For sure. Misha Tate, welcome to the welcome. show. Welcome. Hey, how's it going, guys? Was that intro good? It was excellent. I loved it. You nailed it. And uh, yeah, just I uh, had to jump in and interject myself a little bit earlier about vacations because when I'm in the height of my training camp, like I am right now, that's like all I do is I just dream about like going vacationing <laughs> yeah, somewhere, getting escaping away. all the madness and the craziness. You know, I just finished sparring. So like when I hear about people on vacation, I'm like, where? Where can I daydream that I, I want to go next? Uh, at in bed in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would take a staycation right now. For sure. Where is your lie. favorite place to vacation? Uh, I love Thailand. Thailand. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I was Have gonna say like San Diego. <laughs> Thailand. Yeah. My bad. Okay. Oh yeah, no. Like I'm that. I'm totally international. Okay. Um, and also, what I've really been wanting to go back to Puerto Rico. It's been a Ooh. long time since I've been to Puerto Rico. And I feel like it's still domestic, right? We don't have yeah. to worry so much about the vaccine, weird mandates, sure, and stuff sure. like that yeah. going on. So I feel like Puerto Rico's. It's like getting pretty high on that list again of the places I've got to go back to. It's perfect. And Lo loves Puerto Rican women, so yeah, why not? Good. Yeah, and I've been to the Donku. Don they call it Donku. I want to say Q, but the, the like their their headquarters there, and like you go sample all the rum. Oh, I love rum, and they make the best pina coladas. The best. I would down. imagine because I feel like when hands I go down. on vacation, I always try to get like a pina colada or a hurricane, but they kind of suck. Yeah. Like I get them in like Orange They're, County or wherever. If you're getting you a real straight authentic, to Puerto Rico. straight to Puerto Rico, Puerto yep. Rican rum, real yep. cane sugar. So you're yep. doing it right. Yeah. Doing it right. I'm life. taking notes. I'm taking <laughs> notes. <laughs> suck. I mean, Lowe's in Miami all the time. I, they probably For got sure. good ones, Hop, right? skip, and jump. Oh, what? Hop, skip, and jump. I love that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so for the people that do not know, can you give us a quick backstory of yourself, your childhood, growing up, and how the hell you ended up beating people up for a living? Oh, a quick backstory. I'm pretty long-winded, so I can't promise quick, but I can give you backstory. We can do long-winded. Right. We can do that. We can do that. Just don't beat us up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, deal. Um, okay, so I was born in Tacoma, Washington. Okay. I grew up there as a, I don't know, outdoorsy sort of tomboy girl. And um, I, when I went from middle school to high school, I was always into sports, right? Sports seasons changed. All of a sudden, basketball and wrestling was all that was offered in the winter. And 
basketball is just not my sport. You know, we all have a sport that we just suck at and you just don't want to play. <laughs> for like, sure. All have that one sport. Like, that is not the one for me. Like, basketball was clearly not the one for me. But I want to play a sport. And um, so my best friend at the time, her and I were like, what are we going to do? And she's like, how about going off for wrestling? And I'm like, what? I was like, they don't have a girls wrestling team. She's like, yeah, I know, but I don't think they can stop us. Ooh. And so it kind of like plants a little seed. And I was like, maybe she's right. Like if they don't offer a girls one. So I went home, asked my mom. My mom was like, I think you're crazy, but go ahead. I'm not going to tell you not to. Like, got to love my mom for that. Um, she was always like, yeah, fuck it. If they can do it, we can do it. You, you can do it too. Yeah. Love that. So I uh, went out for wrestling the next day, got my ass kicked. She got her ass kicked too. <laughs> <laughs> so... We had a lot to talk about after that practice, for sure, between the mat burns and everything like that. But it was so hard, um, but I liked it. It was very intriguing to me, and I just kept coming back every day. And four years later, I was still wrestling. And Sick. Yeah, then I went into college. Um, I was so adamant to stay at a place that was sort of close to home, so I didn't wrestle in college. But I did discover MMA in college. Got it. So I guess that was, was meant to happen, for right? For sure. Um, so I discovered uh, MMA, started fighting. Um, crazy first fight. I actually just like with three weeks of training decided to take a fight. <laughs> three weeks, just three in. weeks, just three weeks. Yeah, and before that, I was very adamant about it. Like when I got into this club sport, I started learning jujitsu. Right, so you learn rear naked chokes and arm bars and triangle chokes. And I'm I'm thinking, well, this is great because I already wrestle. I'm comfortable on the mat. This yeah. could be fun. Like I like this add on. Did not want to punch anybody in the face. And I certainly didn't want to get hit in the face. For sure. Yeah, yeah, no chance. I'm not an angry person. Yeah. Like, why would I want to do that? Um, but then I went and watched amateur fights for the first time I was there live. Like, I don't know if you guys remember your first experience with, like, going to a live fight. Like, did it, like, get you, like, it just, it did something you know, like yeah, I, yeah, I, was, energy, just, sure. yeah, I sure. was just like so into it. Like I was sweating, like my, my blood was, you know, my blood pressure was up. Like I was just so into it and really drawn to it. And, um, they made an announcement that in three weeks they'd have an all female fight card. If there was anybody who wanted to, you know, so like in so that just, like, moment of like there. hype, I just went down there and signed myself up. And then I was kind of like, Oh, snap, I guess I'm fighting in three weeks. So that's crazy. I love yeah. that. That it, was was, a, it was a real fight, not wrestling, right? No, it was a real fight. People yeah, were striking. I almost forgot that it was a real, like, because I only had ever wrestled, really. So I pretty much just tried to, like, take her down and hold her. And after the first round, they're like, you know you can punch on the ground, right? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 19 years old. I've never fought anybody in my life, you know? Yeah. I'm fighting this Muay Thai specialist. So I just was trying to take her down and, and control because it just what was instinctual to me. Sure, the second sure. round, I go out there, and she puts me in a Muay Thai clinch, and I had no idea what oh. That oh, no. was so it's like you know, like where they put the forearms on the collarbone, so I couldn't shoot through her anymore. And um, she starts kneeing me in the face, oh. one of them like clean on, smashes my nose. So, like, oh no, smashes my nose, so blood's pouring out. She, I'm still trying to shoot, but I'm getting out of position, and so she spins around and she's on my back, and she's trying to choke me. And I remember, like, I was on, on my knees and my forearms kind of turtled up because I didn't want to let her get any choke in. And that was like the moment I realized I was in a fight, God. you know, like yeah, I had taken yeah, yeah. some damage and I'm like, Oh shit. Like it's I'm, really in, happened, I'm yeah. in a fight and I'm watching the blood pour out of my nose and all these thoughts are kind of racing through my head. And then I just decided I was going to kick her ass for it. There we go. And so I just kind of flipped the switch and I started bucking her and she like fell down into the guard position below me, stood up on my tiptoes, reached for the ceiling and just started raining down the, the, you know, all everything that I could muster up. Yeah. And the second round, that's where the second round ends. Um, 
and because it was an amateur fight, and mind you, way back, this was in 2006. Okay. So it was like at a reservation. There were sure. no doctors. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very like, you know. <laughs> so anyways, um, my corners wouldn't let me. They didn't want me to go back out for the third round because okay. my nose was so oh, sure, no. like disassembled. <laughs> it's probably a wise decision, but it sucked for me because I finally figured out. I was like, I finally knew what I was there to do. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was how my first fight went. Took an L and, and, a, and a broken were you, nose. Were you hooked after that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Even with getting your nose smashed? Oh yeah, because I I was more upset that I knew I could have done better. Okay. Because yeah. I figured it out in like like the like midway through the second round, like how to fight. Yeah. And so it, we you know just knowing that I had more than that, and maybe if I had dialed that in in the first round, you know, I could have done a lot better. I didn't. I just it didn't sit well with me that. I could have done better. Yeah, sure, I, sure. I like we say the moment yeah. it, it clicked, right? I, I'm no longer sparring. I'm really yeah, in this, I'm not and now wrestling. this is a, this now is we're a fighting. fighting. Yeah, this yeah. is a fight. I'm trying to hurt this person, and they're trying to hurt me, and that's when it kind of started to make sense. And rather than you know turtling up and looking for a way out, like my instinct was to fight back. So yeah. I thought that was a good sign, and I was like, yeah. I think I could def- I definitely this. do this better. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so how did you transition after that first fight where you got your nose smashed and ultimately took an L, so to mm-hmm. speak? How did you transition yourself and ch- switch up your training to prepare yourself for the, your next future fights? Well, I actually trained for a long time before I took my second fight. Got you it. know, it just I just had never really thrown punches. I didn't even know. Like I said, I didn't know what a tie clinch was. Sure. I didn't know how to defend it. It was so unfamiliar to me. So I was I just had such a limited aspect of mixed martial arts being just a wrestler. Mm-hmm. So um, I just trained for quite a while before I took my next fight. When I say quite a while, it was probably like six months. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like that long, but. Um, and then I just like slammed like five fights in six months. Woo! That's so many. Yeah. And I was, just... I, yeah, I won all my next five fights until I went into a tournament and then we fought more than one fight in a night and that's I lose my second fight. But yeah, that's wild. Where did the nickname cupcake come from? So originally it was takedown and I guess that was just takedown. because of my, my style of fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most women didn't have a wrestling background at that time. Most sure. of them had come from more striking or jujitsu. So mm-hmm. I think it was something kind of unique at the time. And uh, then it transitioned to cupcake early on also in my career because um, it's like it was like people making kind of like teasing me, like making fun of me a little bit. Like sure. you don't want to be the cupcake on the team. You don't mm-hmm. want to be the cookie on the team, right? You don't want to be yeah. like that person. So they were they would tease me a little bit, like oh she's the cupcake, and it kind of fit with like how I felt like other women or maybe people in general, but certainly like women who are gonna fight me. Yeah. A lot of times thought because I was more feminine in ways, like I would wear dresses and have my nails painted and my hair done and <laughs> yeah, wear sure, makeup sure, and yeah. stuff, sure, sure, sure. that I kind of was an oddball in wanting to do the sport. So I didn't think they didn't take me very serious, you know, yeah. she's a cupcake. It's cool. It's like owning up to the un- people underestimating you, yeah, right? Yeah. And just flipping it and being like, all right, I'm cupcake, but watch then, the cupcake beat your ass. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. That's, That's exactly it. So it's just embracing the irony of it. I, I thought it was because you like to bake light cupcakes. <laughs> well, there's that too. It fits in multiple ways. There I we like go. That. I love that. For sure. I love that. So you were on the, is, was that considered like the amateur circuit before you moved up and turned pro? Yeah. So I had six fights as an amateur and okay. then I fought, uh, then I turned pro in like 2007. Got so it. it was pretty quick still. It was only about a year I was the amateur. So you had some crazy fights coming up. You were the Strikeforce champion. Dana White had said that your fight with Ronda Rousey in Strikeforce was one of the main reasons UFC had brought on women's MMA. 
What does that mean to you as being one of the pioneers? It's honestly, it's so weird to me now when I think about that being such a part of that transition, you know, because at the time you don't realize that you don't realize what you're doing. You don't know how it's going to be impactful. So I look back at it now and it's kind of like, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm just humbled by it, I guess. I'm really honored to like get to be somebody that looks back on their career and still be doing it. You know, I mean, I kind of was in that infancy part where we were fighting for breadcrumbs. Nobody was taking it serious. It was a spectacle. It was like, people were yelling things like, Oh, you know, like let a titty pop out. You know what I mean? Like, oh that, my you know, God, like the commentary, like, you know, like let a titty like, pop out. I like that. Yeah. All right. Like, there we I'm go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. funny. But at the same time, that was the kind of shit we would hear sure, like, sure. from the audience. Like it was not serious. It was like the gimmick on, on, on a real fight card, the women's that, fight. That's crazy. to think that and how fast it transitioned, right? Once people start really getting their butts kicked, it was, I can't imagine UFC now without it, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many incredible fights, so many incredible fighters. Um, they, it's like, I can't even remember back to when it was like that because everything yeah. that's happened so far is like humongous moments. I, that's I, awesome. Yeah. So being a part of that, the, having the perspective, I guess, that I have is really cool because yeah. I can, I don't think that many women can have that same perspective from the, like the very beginning to still doing it at the, and getting to the very, very top, you know, for sure, to like for cap, sure. capturing a UFC belt, you know, that was about 10 years in the making from my, my from my first amateur fight, it was like almost 10 years to the month. Incredible. That's yeah. wild. And we can talk about that. I actually have a question about that. You were actually champion in two other organizations before winning the UFC Bantamweight belt. How different was winning the UFC title versus the others? Well, it was all in progression. So at, in those moments of time, it was kind of the biggest thing at that time. Sure. So it was first it was freestyle cage fighting, which was a pretty well-known um, regional show in Oklahoma. Um, and then you move into strike force. And at the time there were no UFC fights. There were yeah. no women fighting in the UFC. It was still Dana and everybody else like never, it'll never yeah. happen. <laughs> I remember when he said that. Yeah. yeah. Like now how's he chewing on that? You know, <laughs> hey, no shit. No yeah, shit. For sure. So, um, then when I won my Strikeforce World title, I mean, that was an incredible moment for me. And at that time, it was the best. I mean, it was the biggest. It was the best. It was everything that I was hoping to accomplish. And then the door to the UFC opened, right? So getting into the UFC and then realizing it's like, it's kind of like the false summit, you know? It's like <laughs> yeah, you reach yeah. that summit at that moment. You're like, yeah. And but then you're now like, here's this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's another mountain to climb, you for know? Sure. So it was just kind of at that time, it was my peak. And that was a great moment, but then there was bigger mountains to climb. Does instantly, once that door opens, does it go, all right, I need that belt now for, is that the mentality? Or is it like, oh, well, that, that's cool. That's a, somebody else is doing that, or and I'm the champ here. Is this okay? Yeah, for me, I'm very motivated to get the belt. I've always been very driven to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know there's more to life and more to the sport, you know, than just being a champion, but I just can't help it. Like, I want to be the best. Like, I love that. I get it. Like, I know there's more to it, but... For me, like if I'm going to do the sport, I want to be the best at it. 100%. No, I agree. agree. If there is some sort of, I guess, belt or ring or whatever, that's why these athletes do it, right? Yeah. It's like you play basketball to win a championship eventually to get that ring. It's not, yeah, you're going to probably make millions of dollars and be cool and endorsements and all that shit and be popular, but you're playing to get that ring. Play to win the game. That's why I can't agree with like every kid gets a trophy thing. Fuck that. Participation. I can't agree with that. Like, 
I have kids too. And I, I don't, I don't want to like defeat my kids confidence or anything, but I also want them to understand that there is a distinction for hard work. For sure. I, I'm down for like every kid gets something, you know, but there should be a distinction between, you know, two, three, two and, and first place because sure. they're, you know, they're, they're working hard and you want to aspire to get that. If everyone's getting the same thing, that's like, well, where, you know, where's the distinction for the extra hard work? Absolutely agree. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, could you imagine if everybody who fought just got a belt? Like, <laughs> no, I'd, I'd fucking hate it. Right. There'd be no reason to fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So unless it's for the BMF belt, you know. Yeah. 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 BMF, BMF belt. belt's hot. Dude, I yeah, like that. They sure. need to bring that match back. Right. Yeah. They need to bring that fucking match back. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> um, so you've had some unreal bouts in the UFC. You win the UFC title, then you lose the UFC title. A few months later, you lose a decision to Raquel Pennington, and then you decide to retire. Yeah. How was retirement for you, and what was that transition like? Mm-hmm. Well, I decided to retire because um, I just felt like I didn't have anything left to give. It was kind of a really dark time. I was going through bouts of depression, and I was. Uh, in a toxic relationship that had been part of my entire career and just kind of came to a point where I was like, I'm human and there's only so much I can take or carry. Right. And, um, I thought that every time that I fought, I was just used to putting up with adversity. I was used to being in those dark places. I was used to having all the pressure and the, the personal relationship taking away. And I always thought, Oh, you just show up in spite of, but eventually it got to a point where I was just so numb to it all that I just didn't show up in that fight at all sure. and and and, it, and the worst part was that it didn't bother me i didn't mm. care i didn't care anymore and that's when i knew it's one thing to have an off day or be like oh that wasn't my best it's yeah. another thing to be like you never got started and you're okay with that because you just want to be done sure yeah, you sure, know yeah. and that was an awful realization but that's the truth of it i just i had nothing left to give i barely even remember that fight week i don't really oh, remember wow. the fight it was just like i was on autopilot and I just said, never again. I will never fight with that feeling again. And I didn't know if that would ever change. So it was just kind of, I didn't anticipate it would, you know, Mm -hmm. I just thought I was done. I thought I was burnt out. I thought I'd been doing that for about 12 years. You know, I had reached the top and, um, I didn't have the energy to try to claw myself back. And so I just said, you know, I've, I think I've got to call it. I didn't even think I knew I was like, this is, yeah. So is that the deciding factor when you knew did you know that that was going to be your last fight or think that was going to be your last fight ever? Not at all. Because it wasn't that different than many of the fights before the lead up to it. It was chaos. It was stressful. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I was in that same dark place that I'd been so many times. The difference is, is that that time I just didn't have anything left sure. to give. Yeah. You know, I, I dug as deep as possible. I had already expended myself in so many ways for so long, for so many years. I just didn't have it. So I didn't show up at all. And, um, I just want to be anywhere else in the world than, than there in that situation. So, for sure. yeah. So, so I retired and I think it was the right call. Yeah. Yeah. It was the right call. How did you enjoy retirement the first couple months, year? It was very nerve wracking because okay. I didn't know myself as anything but a fighter. Yeah. You know, I was Misha Tate, the fighter. That's what I had been my whole life, my whole career. And now I was like, kind of like just cut myself off from that. And I was like, what am I going to do now? Sure, what the hell sure. am I going to do? Reinventing. Who am I? Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what it was. You know, I went on a road trip. I got, I grabbed my OG baby, my little dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's the first one. I've had him since I was 22. And we just went on a road trip and uh, it was a lot of uh, soul searching. To yeah. be honest. By you know? yourself? 
with my dog. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I'd reconnected with friendships that I had kind of like let fall away, and you know, without deep diving into the relationship aspect, you know, it just became toxic on many levels where a lot of those relationships that I had before with friends and family were kind of separated from that. So anyways, getting away from that, I kind of was starting to reconnect things and learn more about myself again and and what decisions would I make for me as opposed to what decision would I make according to, you know, what this person's influence is or what they think is right for me. So it was a lot of self-exploration. That's, that's really what it was. And then what what changed from that trip? What did you bring back from that trip that kind of put you on that forefront moving forward um i think that was the where i just started to realize how to be my own person again Mm. you know and it sounds yeah and it sounds kind of you know almost maybe silly like oh how do you not be your own person how do you not know but unless you're in that situation and i think sometimes that women find themselves in that situation um just because i think it's in our nature that we want to like we want to be a part of that partner's life we want to please we want to you know do these things sure. and you know just part of being a good partner but when you don't have that support back or you realize that maybe that you've been manipulated or misled it's kind of very it's very eye opening so Absolutely. i guess that was it. it was was i had actually already exited the relationship before my last fight but still had him he, so he was my head coach also yeah so that's where the dynamic gets not, really not sticky good. Yeah, yeah really sticky sure. so i had already exited the relationship but i still had that one fight left and it was just a disaster mm-hmm. um so i still had him as the coach and it was awful situation and so i just cut myself off from everything that was kind of the security blanket because i thought you know it's a good saying is uh if you want something you've never had you've got to do something you've never done that's Ooh. so true too it is so true sure. it's so fucking true right to get out of the get out of the cycle get out of the comfort zone that was it 100%. so it so i just threw myself into the deep end of like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing but yeah. i ain't doing that anymore and yeah. i'm not doing that anymore i was like and that doesn't feel right so i just did all the things that i could to try to make myself feel a little bit better so like sometimes i describe it like if you're in a room of pitch black and there's a pinhole of light just run at it you know what i yeah, mean like I for me that. that's yeah. like when you're in those dark places or you you know mental mental illness depression whatever usually there's a pinhole somewhere and it's like you just gotta run at it and that's what i did because i didn't know what the fuck i was doing honestly i didn't know how i was gonna make myself better i was very nervous and very insecure at the time i didn't know who i was without being the spider but i just did the the little you know daily step at a time just running at those pinholes of light until eventually i was you know out out of the darkness for sure incredible do you recommend traveling by yourself to find yourself or soul search for anyone maybe going through something dark for me, it was a game changer. Because I've never done it, but it's yeah, it was a game changer because uh, there was no one for me to. I had to just rely on my own insight. You sure. know, there was no one for me to be like, hey, wh- what do you what do you think? Or what should I do? What? Do-? So it was a matter of me getting my feet back under myself, right? Kind of forcing myself into a situation where it was all about me, yeah. and I got to be really selfish, and I got to just do whatever I wanted and be with whoever I wanted and hang out and reconnect, you know, and. Yeah. That was awesome. I mean, I just would like drive and I went from, I started in um, Kansas City and I drove to Colorado Springs. I hiked there all over Colorado Springs. Wow. I, um, and then I drove to Vegas. I did a quick pit stop because I was still living at the time, sure. yep. packed up my things. And then I drove up the 101 up California coast. Oh, rad. Slept in my car on the beach, like just Come whatever, on. whatever yeah. I wanted. Yeah, like yeah. I just, you know, would stop at a winery and like go wine tasting for a little bit. By yourself? 
Oh yeah, I love that. Incredible. All That's of it by myself. Yeah. All you of it. Vlog this? Did you vlog this? No, I, just, I know, right? That's why I, mean. I was talking to you guys about social media managers yeah. before this. I'm yeah. like, I, I definitely that would have been one. amazing. Oh my God, you yeah, it would have been. It would have been really uh, an interesting. What you don't know is going to come out on on Netflix in like two years. She's like, I, I just get yeah. I had all the content. Yeah, I had this great idea, Netflix. <laughs> oh my God. So let's talk about Singapore. You said you lived in Singapore. When did you move to Singapore, and why did you move to Singapore? So I will tell you about Singapore, but I feel like we, in the succession of the story, the continuation, right? So I met Johnny before we moved to Singapore and you guys used to work together. I've known Johnny Nunez for almost going on 10 years. Johnny's here sitting by, uh, also another person that can kick all our asses. For sure, for sure. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I met Johnny 10 years ago. We both worked together at Wet Republic. So Johnny and I have had some wild nights. (laughs) And then, uh, so you guys meet. Yeah, so we met. So it's funny because we had been training in the gym at, for like at least a couple years. Oh wow! Um, so you had known each other before that. So yes, we did, but not well. He thought I was stuck up. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, okay. Here we go. Now we're getting juicy. I like that. And I didn't know who the hell he was, so maybe I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bro. I love that. Who is this guy? Oh my! Who the fuck is, <laughs> that, is that guy, guy? dude? Yeah, Come for on. sure. So yeah, so you guys used to work at Rhett, right? So yeah. when he worked at Encore Beach Club, um. One of our other friends from the gym, who'd been a long time friend of mine, invited me there. And so I went and uh, he's like, oh, by the way, Johnny works here. Boston works here. A couple of the other guys from the gym. And I was like, oh, you know, tell him to come say hi. And then when Johnny came up, it was the first time I was single. And the like, first time I looked at him outside the gym, because I... I don't go into the gym. I mean, the, the gym is full of hot dudes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shredded, and hot, hot women. Like, dudes. I mean, they're just like, it's it's the they're place where if you want to go, like, yeah. see some ice candy. So I go in there and I'm just like, I got my shit to do. Like, I got bunch like faces to punch. And, you know, yeah, like, I don't yeah. really pay attention to anything else. And um, so anyways, when I saw him at Encore Beach Club for the first time, like, he was wearing... Little pol- a polo, yeah, these shorts, <laughs> Short, a polo, yeah, yeah. and I, and it looks the color was perfect on his tan skin, and he was at the jawline for, oh, to kill for days, yeah. and I was like, "Dang, yeah. he is a handsome guy! Like, handsome what a good looking guy! How did I never notice this before?" And so I invited him to come to dinner with some friends later, and he almost didn't come because it was the end of what was it Labor Day weekend? Yeah, Monday at the end of Labor Day weekend. Oh, he was working all weekend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was, you know. Probably crushing was, some doubles, you know. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tired. So he was like, I almost didn't go. But it's a good thing he did because when he showed up, we just got lost in conversation. And I was like, this guy is so cool. He's very intellectual. I really enjoyed just that conversation. And pretty much, pretty soon, like everyone else in the whole restaurant just disappeared. Like in, in our, you know, we just got lost in that conversation. I've seen that somewhere in a movie. And then, where we, got just really, yeah, yeah, and then we got really sure. drunk and we ended up running through. I don't know why exactly. I think there was another guy there that was kind of like feeling out the situation and i just did not give two fucks about that <laughs> sure, I, was sure. like, I was so into johnny i was like just let's ditch this place you know yeah so we end up running through like downstairs through the kitchen of the place like because we're i don't know we had drunk and it's just like a dumb idea but <laughs> yeah. we did it and uh they're like where are you going i i I don't know. So we ran through the kitchen and we found some other exit and then, you know, the rest was history. Like we pretty love much that. just fell in love. And this was at know. dinner? Yeah. You guys should have vlogged that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, someone hot. strap a GoPro to meet sure. this drunk forehead <laughs> and just start vlogging all this shit. What are you guys This is a I gold I someone to follow me around all the time. Oh my God, not even. Get the little chess GoPro, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You guys might have at home or whatever. And you know, yeah. Johnny knows what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah, so it was that's, fun. That's we, had, great. we had a great time and we pretty much, we kept our relationship on the DL for a long time. Wouldn't tell anybody. So, and it just kept developing like more and more and more. It started out very relaxed. And then we were kind of like, you know, 
I don't think I want to be with anyone else but you. Like you are, you are the one. Love and then, so then we end up, um, we end up getting pregnant yep. with our daughter about a little after a year of being together. And so we made the announcement on New Year's Eve of 2018. Yeah. So it was going into 2018. And uh, we made that announcement and that we were a couple because nobody even knew. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> surprise. Like, surprise. surprise. <laughs> Double surprise. Double yeah, surprise. For sure. And yeah, then we had our daughter and um, I just remember at one point feeling like I was supposed to be doing something more or better or whatever. And this is still part of the self-discovery part, right? Okay. So yeah, I'm okay. a new mom. I'm trying to figure out still career. Like, what am I doing? What am I, what do I want to do? And um, decided that we wanted to move to Singapore and pursue one championship. So I got hired on as the vice president of one championship. Um, he was there training on the Evolve fight team, also fighting for one championship or supposed to be fighting for one championship but it's been that's a whole other debacle i won't even probably get into that right now he hasn't been fighting and it's been very maddening but um anyways we moved over there we were there for about almost a year and a half and then the pandemic hit oh while we were over there got it and it's much you know handled different than it is in the u.s you know they're very strict very stringent crazy about it Yeah, yeah 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 so and i'm pregnant with my son also so i get pregnant over there that wasn't really the plan we're supposed to be a little bit a little yeah, bit later than that. Fucking, but... dude. I love that. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? Let's go. Johnny over here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. So we so we get pregnant and the pandemic, it hits and it just sucked. Let me just put it that way. It sucked. Singapore was pretty cool for a while. Then it got really small when it got shut down. Nobody in, nobody out. Mm. It's like the size of my pinky nail. Yeah. Like it was locked down. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't eat out. Like everything was shut down. And then, you know, being pregnant and like me just my personality like i like to i don't like to be hell you know i like to go i'm like i need a road trip we didn't even have a car because it's just not what you do in singapore you just yeah, uber yeah. everywhere yeah, yeah. So, so now you really feel like you're not at home home right yeah. you can't go we to were, your wineries by yourself we were, i know yeah. we were in a high rise like it just blew like we couldn't go out hiking camping there's it sucked so we just were like i'm, I'm like i'm over it and i remember i was nine months pregnant I was right about to have my son and I just started reevaluating what do I really want out of life what do I really want what's the most important things to me and I just narrowed it down to three things which was obviously friends and family you know very important um goals and dreams and time and so I started looking at all those things and it just dawned on me just came to me I think I want I want to fight again Ooh. So that's when it came to me, and I'm like, like very, very pregnant, probably like <laughs> with my yeah. second child, like yeah, the about to pop. furthest away from like the professional athlete that I was before, yeah. at least physically. And that idea popped in my head, and I thought, this is crazy. That makes no sense. I was like, I'm just gonna sit on it and like have my baby and see what happens. It's probably just hormones talking, you know. I try to yeah, tell myself sure, that, sure, chalk sure. it up to just yeah. being crazy and hormonal, and in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. But after I had my son. Um, I, I told him again, I was like, babe, I, I still want to, I still want to fight for mm-hmm. sure. You know, and he's like the sane one. I'm, I'm the passionate, like everywhere, kind of like follow the brightest light kind sure. of person. <laughs> yeah. And he is the one to, to be like, okay, that's Make great, practical. babe. I yeah. totally support you in that. But here's what you got to remember. We need to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And so he's the rock. He's the one that makes everything make sense. And, um, He's like, it's going to, it's going to be a lot, you know, on the family. Yeah. So we're going to move back and we're not going to have the help. We're going to have two kids, all these things. He was so right. It's really tough. Yeah. <laughs> he was very right. Yeah. I mean, we, we had our sons, I think around the same time 
my son's 18 months. So that, okay. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, around the same time. And yeah, during the pandemic, it's fucking tough. I couldn't even imagine having my son overseas where I don't know anybody. Yeah, I don't and our live. daughter was two years old. So she was just going stir crazy. We're yeah. in a high rise. Yeah, I mean, I you couldn't even go outside. Like even the private pool of like the condos where we lived at closed. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't even go out at your own condo? No. Oh, that's horrible. I mean, no. so was that just being stuck around and being locked down during the pandemic, just sitting on the couch all day, watching the bullshit news? You just <laughs> yeah. wanted to fucking fight? That made me crazy. All the news at that time, I remember I would be like, I was so emotional. I'd be like, I can't. Like, I'd have to go into the room because I would just cry because it was just too crazy for yeah, me. Crazy. The world was so nuts it's when all the crazy. looting was going on and yeah. people were being all violent. It was awful. But I think it was more so that um, it was the first time that the so much was kind of taken away from everybody but i'm mm -hmm. speaking about my personal situation was like the whole sport of mma was completely out of my life for the first time yeah there were no live events there was no work for me there was nothing for me to cover there was no fighters for me to talk to i couldn't even train even though i was pregnant i would still do boxing yeah you know i would still hit mitts and things I couldn't do that and i just thought i actually really miss the sport and i don't just miss like dabbling in the sport like i miss fighting people I, I miss the competitive aspect of it and i realized i was in such a better place mentally and emotionally than when i had left it i kind of thought what could i do under these way better circumstances yeah. that i never had in the first part of my career I never had that kind of support Is i never it, had it does that lead up to like a, a full circle moment then right because you know you left the sport in this one place and then now you you come you start getting back into training camp training now you're gonna fight again you fight again you go you know what it's all come for a circle, right? I, I retired. I, di I didn't like where I was. Now I'm back in a better situation. Like, how, what's that feeling like? D was it a full circle moment? Like, hey, this is the right place I'm supposed to be again? Or is what was it for you? Yeah, I think the full, the, the full circle was really made after I came back July 17th and I fought Marion Renault, who mm -hmm. had, she had never been finished. She had lost a few fights, but she had never been finished. And I finished her. And after that win, I was like, Man, because I was oh, nearly five years, almost five years since my last fight. 1,709 yeah. days. Woo! Yeah. You had it fucking not on the calendar. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So that's kind of when it really was like, okay, I definitely made the right decision. You know, I, I felt that way during my camp and everything mm -hmm. too. Like, this is the right decision. But until you get in there and you compete, you, you cannot recreate a fight in the gym. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't recreate it. So until that happened and when I got that win – that I knew that it was it was all for the better and it was a good That's decision. Awesome. And that feeling of getting another a dub, right? Yeah, getting that Hell fucking yeah. dub. Getting the dub. Right? But going back, I'm getting, like, I'm getting hyped. I want to like. Go. I don't even know what I'll do. Right? You want to fist fight somebody? Let's go. Low? Let's go. <laughs> going back before that though, you're in Singapore and you want to fight. Like, how does that even happen? Like, do you just like Facetime fucking Dana White in Singapore? Like, hey, I want to <laughs> yeah. come fight. Like, how yeah. do you just? I'm doing this right. Although I'll sleep it there. Hopefully you guys can hear me well. Um, okay, yeah. So, so actually, yes, that's exactly what I did. Okay. I got on Instagram. I got on Instagram and I DM'd him. Oh, okay. wow. yeah. I got on Instagram. I DM'd him and I said, "Hey, um, I want to fight." And I purposely did it on Instagram because I wanted to see, like, you know, the check marks. Like, oh, you so you fucking make sure read you it? read that shit. Okay, yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah. See like, if you fucking read I it. So good. No. I know you read that shit, Dana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when he read it, and then a day went by, another day went by, I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, he, he fucking ghosted you. He didn't respond. Oh, no. So then I wrote him again, like, hey, um, basically just said again, you know, I want to fight. And uh, nothing. Ghosted me again. And he saw the read, the scene? It, 
Oh yeah. Oh, oh no, yeah. Uncle Dana, dude. What I the fuck? I know it was it was fucked up. It was totally messing with my emotions. And um, then I wrote him back in sort of in a very passive way, threatened him. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah what is that? I was basically like, hey, if I have to come over there to your office and like track you down, like yeah. and to and see you face to face, like I'm not I'm not joking. I'm serious. I want to fight. And um, he said, come home. And Love that's because that. I was living in Singapore. And, and like, I've known Dana for long that's enough. That's all he said was come home? To, like, everything that I said was yeah. all he said well, was Jedi two words, mind tricks. What the fuck? But I've known him long enough to know that that was a kind of, like, a challenge in that, like, put your money where your mouth is, you yeah. know? Like, if you really want to be committed to fighting, then you got to show me more, you know? Like, yeah. he knew I j- just had a baby, too. So, sure, I mean, sure. this is crazy. Like, this is crazy talk. What are you yeah. talking about? Nobody what are you get, talking about? Nobody's, you know, four years removed from the sport at the time, four years retired, and then all of a sudden wants to come back. But I guess his concern was, like, to make sure that I wasn't hurting for money, that this wasn't, like, a desperation oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. He was kind of okay. worried that maybe things had gone south in Singapore, and that I was financially in a wor- bad place, and, and what kind of Misha Tate was even going to come back for sure. you know seeing how I left who would who in their right mind would think the way that I left and then two kids later that I would come back better yeah I mean Not it just doesn't lot. really yeah. make a lot of sense no. so and you're overseas have, right and you're yeah. overseas yeah but I have, so I'm. I like proving people wrong. But you, you know? were making but was, good money though I was in Singapore, right? So he yeah. probably knew it's not because you're in financial trouble. Well, he didn't know. He didn't know what I was making. Okay. He did yeah. not follow my career. It was kind of like you know, once I left the UFC to go to a opposing promotion, it was kind of like, yeah, see ya. Screw him, yeah. Wait, hold on. So <laughs> you come back home. So did you? Did you quit? I did. Okay. Yeah. Did, did Dana make you quit or did you have to quit to come back to fight? Obviously, No, but I wanted to anyways, because I knew I was going to have to give a hundred percent. Okay. I, I just knew sure. there was no way that I could fulfill, you know, mom duties, fight duties, you know, regular person duties, relationship duties yeah. and be a vice president of a company. So I, it was just going to be way too much, but, um, you know, I had the support in that, you know, everyone was understanding of the situation. Absolutely. And like we talked about, so you won your coming out of retirement fight. Your next fight is November 20th. In your perfect situation and outcome, how do you see this playing out? Is this like a must-win fight for you to, what I think maybe for you to eventually get your redemption shot against Amanda Nunez? This is a very important fight in that trajectory, certainly. Mm -hmm. They all are very important, but I feel like because it's Ketlin Vieira, because she was literally, she was like this close. She was really close to being a number one contender, yeah. and she got upset by Irene Aldana. Um, she's ranked still a spot above me. I think I'm seven. I'm eight, and she's seven, something like that. So she's ranked above me, and if I get a dominant finish over her, um, she's only been finished once, and it was a not, and it was a knockout. You know, she's got a judo background. She's a black belt in jujitsu. Her striking's pretty game. She's pretty well rounded. Sure. But I know a really dominant performance over her could make me the next contender. So is that the goal for you though? Is to eventually get another title shot and get Definitely. back your belt that you lost I to Nunez? Told you guys, I'm not here playing games. Yeah, I like that. Here. I like that because Nunez belt, has held the belt this entire time. Yeah. She actually she won the belt for me. That's right. Yeah. We just yeah. Said, yeah. And. She's had it ever since. You want and that in fucking two belt. divisions now. Yeah. You want that fucking well, belt. I want mine back at least. Okay. Yeah. She can keep the 145-pound one. Yeah. You want yeah. the 135. I mean, I'm not being unreasonable here. No, you're not. I just no. want one of them. Just I just want one. fucking mine. Yeah. The one you took from me, <laughs> I want it fucking back. The one that you've been keeping warm for me. I don't want to have to put on 10 more pounds. <laughs> yeah, That's for good. sure. I fucking love that. 
yeah. going to some more fun stuff. What's more nerve wracking, ESPN the body issue, or coming out to a full arena? Gosh, um, nerve wracking in different ways. I-, I would honestly say the the body issue for me was pretty. You know, that was more. Yeah, because you're just so vulnerable. You feel very vulnerable. Yeah. Hey, go <laughs> like fucking. There's nothing you can do yeah. to like, you know, make it any different than it is. You're there and you're naked, and yeah. there's you know people standing around you. Oh, it's really funny too because we were on a beach, which is a private beach. But what does that even mean? Like, yeah, yeah. what does that mean? There's houses next. For you know, sure. Like somebody walking the dog on their private beach. Yeah, probably. And yeah. windows right there. And you know, yeah. you know what they would do when someone would walk by? They would get like this, uh, like the big uh, shiny thing. The yeah, board, something board, like that, yeah. like a board, but it was made as, as like a like to block a view, so it was made for that. And they would like move it, so it was kind of like a curtain, a framed curtain. And they would like move it as the people would go by, and so the people would be like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 not even covering you; see. they're just blocking the view. Yeah, they were just That's trying hilarious. to see, like they were trying to block the view of the person, like as they were walking <laughs> they're, like, by, juking the thing. Uh, Wait, so yeah. are you you're really naked? Yeah, like, no pasties or anything. I feel like no, you really I like pasties or something. I didn't. I put. Uh, I did put like a skin color tape like down below because yeah, I yeah. think sure, women sure, can sure. do that. But otherwise, no. Yeah. It's crazy. That yeah, nerve wracking for sure. Yeah. <laughs> nerve wracking for I mean, sure. So what's it like walking out to a full packed arena? Um, walking out to a full packed arena, it's it's a charge. Yeah. You know, it's a little different than being nervous. It's a, it's it's um. A welcome distraction in a sense, you know, is that you kind of get that input and it's kind of a part of the process of going to the fight and it's part of the preparation of getting ready. What was interesting is this last fight was a closed arena, yep. so I didn't have any of that. Oh, and, wow. Uh, it didn't matter. I still think that you just, I don't think that the crowd should be like a win or lose factor. Oh, it's wow. part of the process. It's normal, but I'm still going to come and fight yeah, the same sure. regardless for sure 100 yeah but i've heard the crowd before like i've heard their chants and stuff i remember when i was fighting holly Holm when i won that title and they would be like holly holly and then i would get something like misha yeah like so that's so i've definitely sick. felt the energy of the crowd before it does change things a little bit it's cool to engage with the fans and everything but honestly once i get inside the octagon for me that's like such a small part of what I've got to do. Yeah. So We've talked to like people that have come out on like a Super Bowl champ, right? And he said, there's nothing like it. And ever since he's retired, he's like, he still chases that feeling, right? Yeah. It's just a feeling that you'd only get when there's a packed house and it's only for professional athletes, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a it's perk a, of the a, job. It's a unique experience. I wouldn't put it on that scale for me because I still think that it's, there's a, I could do, I could fight somebody with absolutely no one in the room mm-hmm. and I would get the same. That's the charge. That's yeah. the charge that I get because you know, someone's trying to take your head off. For like, sure. There's nothing more like high pressure or exhilarating yeah. than like feeling someone whew, swing by and you're like, Oh shit. yeah, that one almost got me, you and know, feeling like the cage close behind you. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's, that is the rush for me and the crowd is certainly a part of it and I enjoy that. But for me, it's the fight. I feel I like that. you're so right. Cause it's not like competing. Like if you're a basketball player or a baseball player it's or different. even a football player to it's where different. at the end of the day, like that's a game. You're not, you're yes. not trying to kick someone's ass and exactly. rip someone's yeah, head off. Sure. And it's a team sport too, yeah. you know? So it's, there's a different feel to it as opposed to this is just on me. I have to defend myself and I have to try to, um, figure out a way to, uh, Put them down put them down yeah. yeah like they're trying to knock your fucking teeth out <laughs> yes <laughs> and, like, exactly you have to knock their teeth out or defend yourself it's yeah. just i couldn't even imagine and i guess it's something only fighters can really say and experience and say that they went through that 100 yeah. percent. 
And I, I like the crowd. I really appreciate the crowd in the hindsight. You know, not so much in the in the lead up because I'm just I'm so focused and I I always think that I'm gonna enjoy the introduction. You know, like when Bruce Buffer like you know oh, yeah Asia, yeah cupcake. <laughs> but truthfully, every time I get in there, it's almost just like background noise because yeah. I'm so focused on my opponent. I it's afterwards that when I'm doing my post fight victory speech that I get to enjoy the crowd a little bit, or when I go back and watch it, or when I relive that memory in my head, the crowd becomes a, a more part of that for sure, experience. For sure. I fucking love that. I got to ask this question. We've talked about it numerous times with plenty of guests. How do you feel about this whole influencer boxing, Jake Paul thing, calling out MMA fighters, etc.? Well, I'll be honest. At first, I was kind of like, what in sure. the actual fuck sure. is this? Yeah, this yeah. is a joke, right? Are we making a joke out of real sports now? Like, what's going on? Do we already have pro wrestling? What do we need more? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I have actually really warmed up to it because I started to see the bigger picture. And and, and it's true. Like, it's brought more attention. Um I think it's good. I, I like it, actually. I really do. I think as long as the, the, the fights are well-matched and, and fair, then I'm for it. I, see, I feel like they haven't been, though, for the most part recently. you got to yeah. remember Jake Paul and Logan Paul. Like These are big-ass dudes. These are yeah. like 6'2", 6'3", yeah. 215, 230. That's a big-ass fucking guy fighting you know, a Floyd Mayweather. Granted, Floyd's arguably the best defensive fighter ever. But still, like the size difference, there's a reason there's size and weight right. classes in these combat sports. But that's how they make it more even is, you're right, someone has a size advantage, but then you take someone who maybe has like, quote unquote, skill. a skill advantage, yeah. and you've got to try to balance it out. And that's where it could get really sticky, because some ugly matchups might come out of this, and that's where it probably would be a very bad idea. Yeah. But, you know, when I was watching Roy Jones Jr. and Tyson fight, mm -hmm. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. great. great. I loved it. I, I, I think it Tyson's awesome. going to fight... I think Logan Paul or Jake Paul. I've been hearing rumors of months. that, yeah. so I don't yeah. know. And that's really interesting, too. It's like you don't really know, like, how do you weigh that out and how do you make sure that it actually makes sense that, it, that you know, so you got to take, okay, he's a lot older, he's a lot younger. Okay, here we are. But he's but heavier Mike is and he's Mike. this and he's that. And then you try to – but, again, I think what's really going to make the most sense is dollars. Dollars that's what is it's gonna that's make. all it's I about. I swear to God, unfortunately, at this point, I think it's it's becoming a cash grab. Yeah. Because I think they draw so much hype to these fights pre-fight. I just want to know where the Logan brother's sister is. That's what I want to know. Yeah. Oh, take yeah. my million dollars, too. There we go. Oh, awesome. I love that. You know I mean? <laughs> and honestly, I would fight yeah. Mike Tyson for a nice little payday. Right. I'd get my ass kicked, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. sure, for a couple million dollars, one hundred fucking yeah. percent. I get my ass kicked on the regular, anyways, in practice for free. Right. I might as well just show you <laughs> fighting, get paid for it. I love oh that. Oh my god! I want to talk about Vegas. So you guys live in Vegas, you and Johnny. I mean, what are some things that you like to do? Your favorite things, like when it's just you and Johnny, date night. Do you guys like not not so much with the kids, but like, what does Misha like to do when it's at the end of the day? It's just Misha and Johnny, or just Misha by yourself. What are some favorite things that you guys in like Vegas. to do in Vegas? Oh, in Vegas. In Vegas, yeah, yeah like in Vegas. out on the town. Like in Vegas, out on the town. I was like, sleep. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, mean, I don't want to do fucking shit. Yeah, I want to sleep. These guys talk lay on my ultimate kids. sack and pass the fuck out. That yeah. is definitely one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> um, but no, out in Vegas, actually here at the Mandalay Bay Strip oh, Steak. Shit. Plug, plug, Ooh, strip strip steak. phenomenal yeah. steakhouse. Yeah. yeah, that is by far my favorite. It's where I go either every year for my birthday or Valentine's Day. Incredible. Or like a post fight, so right around when, there. So when's your birthday? August. August. And. 18th. So Leo? 
A Leo. I'm a Leo too. I'm a Leo right. too. Here we go. The oh, oh, Leo trio here. Yeah, like the Leo trio. The Leo trio. We're patent that shit real quick. That's hot. Uh, no, we'll get you, we'll get you a nice little comp at Strip Steak. Yeah, we'll get you oh, some dinner over love, there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. No, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I love. I just love it there. It's. It, I recommend it to everybody. It's my favorite. I'm not just saying that. Like we'll anybody who knows your, your, me will your know. Your post fight meal. There we go. Your, 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 your yeah. fight is end of November, right? End of November. Yeah. So we'll get it for post fight meal. Actually, I've been wanting to go because um, one of my favorite waiters. We call him Hammer. What a name! What a fucking yeah. name! What a Hammer. name! He, yeah, Hammer. So he's, but he's amazing. He always takes care of Dana when Dana goes there, and and awesome. then he, then Dana was like, you gotta always ask for him when you go, and he's just amazing. So for sure. if you ever go, you gotta ask for him because he's there. The it best. is Hammer. I fucking love that. Yeah. Hammer, Hammer, Hammer. Do you guys have any other favorite date night spots on the town? Yeah, we. Um, a lot of times we do takeaways, which sounds kind of uh, kind of silly too, but but Jesse Ray's barbecue. Fucking love Jesse. Yeah, Ray's. Jesse Ray's. Right? That's money. So yeah. good, especially like their I don't know their pickles. They put chips on the sandwich. Sometimes yeah, yeah. Too. They put the chips. Yeah. Their sandwich. They make the they make all their buns too. Yeah. Oh, really so good since it's barbecue. so small there, a lot of times we don't eat there, but sometimes we'll just take it and you know. That's right. Eat wherever we want to. Sometimes we I go love to a that park. too. Like my girl and I. We love to just do takeout, you know, because yeah. we, we have a son too, and we put him down. Yeah. We'll just get takeout, hang takeout. out, watch Netflix, exactly. do whatever. Exactly. Sometimes I actually it's enjoy best that of both more. worlds. Yeah. I so we'll love go that. and get that. Um, I'm trying to think anywhere else. Oh, uh, Grape Street. Grape Street the up one in, in Summerlin. downtown Summerlin. Uh, Summerlin. Summerlin. Hot spot. Yeah. yeah. Hot the spot. baked brie there is Ooh. to die for. You guys haven't had the brie. I've had it there. Like the That's cheese? like the reason I go. Yeah, yeah. it's brie. They literally take a, a, a whole, you know, thing of brie. And they wrap it in this light, flaky dough that ends up being a delicious crust. And they, they bake it, and then it's all melted on the inside. And they have, uh, you know. I'm trying this. That oh, sounds incredible. Oh, my God, it's so good. Baked I, fucking I love brie. We have foodie Misha over here. Honestly, start fucking vlogging, please. Just yeah, start vlogging and eating and everything. Yeah, we, I'd watch all of this. This <laughs> is great. I'm going to take notes on your guys' social media when I leave here. There we go. Do you have anything else coming up that you want people to know about? Um... So speaking of social media, yeah, I'm getting my YouTube channel off the ground. Absolutely. So we're we're starting that. So if you want to see more, a little bit more of the vlogging and, and intake, I'm gonna get better at this, I promise. Um, but we're doing an episode a week. Nice. So yeah, we're just is it is it like lifestyle behind the scenes? Is it family? Yeah, is it it's, workouts? It's, it's kind of just what happens that week for me. Got so it. it's very lifestyle. It's obviously a lot of it's training. We talk about the fights and. Because since I started this, I've pretty much had a fight the entire time. So yeah. we just, I got COVID and we, we dropped it for a couple of weeks because I was sick. Sure, and, sure, uh, sure. But we're doing it again. So yeah, you'll be on the lookout for that. And what else? Oh, I'm investing in a uh, hyperbarics uh, clinic, like a wellness clinic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Called Desert Moon Hyperbarics. Here in Vegas? Yeah. Awesome. Going okay. Going into business with some friends of mine. So where's it going to be located? That's where we're looking. Actually, we want somewhere in the southwest. Of course, okay. it's fucking yeah. booming right now. Exactly. So southwest area, but it's been difficult. It's been difficult to find an area. So we're still on the search, but very vehemently looking. So awesome. we want that to be open like ASAP. But look, I I'm all about wellness outside of uh modern medicine okay if at all possible yeah like i'm not anti-modern medicine but i think there's a lot that's left to be desired when it comes to like people's health and wellness hyperic chambers red light therapy you know, sure. ivy therapy all that stuff it's kind of uh, we forget to take care of ourselves maybe as opposed to taking some medicine right americans are pieces of shit right? let's be honest <laughs> like, let's be honest like i, mean, I, I like I how you're say like, it, but I'm, I'm glad it. that you I'll did fucking say it I'm for sure, we're the most spoiled, overweight pieces of shit in yeah. the world, yeah, and everyone makes fun of us here. for it. It's so easy to just be like a fat piece of shit. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I fucking easy. love McDonald's. I love yeah. In-N-Out Burger, but guess what? If you continue to eat In-N-Out and drink those cokes, you're gonna be a fucking fat piece of shit, <laughs> yeah. overweight. And I no. promise, the number one preventable cause of death in this world and country, obesity. 
know. Yeah. No one wants to talk about it. I'll di- fucking talk diabetes. about it. Yeah, type yeah. two diabetes. Yeah. yeah. No, it is, but it's just all too easy, and it's it's the mar- everything marketing wise and all that is geared towards you know making people. Yeah, take another pill. Yeah, Here, I'll prescribe exactly. you this medicine. Exactly. <laughs> so if you want to, you know, explore outside that, you could be looking, you know, into our hyperbarics. I like so, it. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, explain to the people what, what exactly hyperbaric chambers are. So a hyperbaric chamber is essentially a, there's hard shell and soft shell. We're primarily going to stick with soft shell, but essentially you get into a, a tube and it pressurizes and you also have oxygen closer to pure oxygen you can't go totally pure oxygen because it's flammable (laughs) unless you go in a hard chamber (laughs) bad idea don't ever do that but you get a more pure form of oxygen and when you go under pressure essentially what happens is that your blood gets hyper oxygenated more oxygen than it normally would and when you go under pressure it helps the circulation go faster and into places that are harder to reach so if you've ever had something like a wrist injury for instance that just takes forever to heal it's because the wrist is very low in blood flow so this would speed it up and, and it helps with everything. It helps with cognitive uh, problems, a lot with the brain. I mean, the brain has tons of, you know, it's very vascular. So a lot more blood, th- blood flow and oxygen for your brain is really good. helps with Alzheimer's, um, dementia, near drownings for kids. There's been actually a few studies done already about near drownings. Like if you ha- or, I mean, it could be for adults too, but I think the focus has been on kids. happens more with kids. Take a child, rush them to get them in a hyperbarics so that you're going to get much less um, damage than that was already done. So that hyperbaric essentially can reverse it by hyperoxygenating the brain if you can get it within a window of time mm-hmm. immediately following a, a near drowning. So those are those are the kinds of things that it can help. It's incredible. Yeah. Holy shit. So wrist probably has good for low... hangovers too, but that, that I don't know if there's yeah. science oh on that. For so sure. We'll have IVs and things IVs. like that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I do the IVs all the time. There all day. Yeah. So the wrist has low blood flow. It does. Noted. Gosh, yeah. so low. That's, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's what you took away from that whole conversation. Yeah, that's all okay. you got from <laughs> that whole that one liner, real quick. The jerk off fucking one liner. All right, well, Misha Tate, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute blast. Incredible. This episode fucking flew by. It's already been an hour. I was going to say, it's been yeah. an hour already? Yeah. It's been crazy. a fucking hour. Yeah, this episode flew by. Please follow Misha Tate. What are the handles? Just at Misha Tate, M-I-E. Don't be tricked. There's some there's some tricky fools Don't out there. Don't be fucking so tricked. Make sure I spelled yeah. it right earlier. Okay, we got it right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you did. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> just sure. like that. Again, Misha, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate Good it. Good luck in the upcoming fight. We're going to get you. We're going to take you to dinner. Don't worry. Okay. For and, sure. Uh, again, follow us everywhere. The Residency Pod. We'll Love got, it. We'll see you guys next week. Let's go. Strip steak. Strip steak.